Welcome to our first episode of Caught in the Hot Box. I am one of your hosts, Rumpus. We're here with another host, Goose. Say hi. Hello. And Haltermania, say hi. Hello, what's up? And we are just three average dudes who love baseball. Um, and we're here to discuss some happenings in baseball right now. Um, let's get into our first topic. Our first topic is... Um, the Dustin Pedroia retires. Um, Halterman, Haltermania, what do you think? Uh, well, first of all, um, happy trails to Dustin Pedroia for um, a great career. It just seems like yesterday that uh, Goose and I were talking about Dustin Pedroia um, oh. as, as a rookie with the Red Sox. Um and he won rookie of the year that year, I think in 2006. And was it Caleb? Was it early? Uh, the next year? Was it he won MVP? Is that right? It was 2007. He won the rookie of the year. And then the 2008. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Love, I think. Yeah. I'm just looking at some of his stats here. Yeah. He actually played uh, 31 games in 2006. So yeah, you're right. It was 2007 was his rookie year. One rookie of the year. Um, MVP award. Um, I mean, he's a multiple-time All-Star, I think, about four or five times, a couple, two or three Golden Gloves as well. Um, you know, and and I'll, I'll let Caleb take take some of this here, but just uh, for Dustin Pedroia, he's one of those rare players that, that played his entire career in, in, for one team in one city, and that's always really cool, um, you know, especially where you consider guys like Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina, and Derek Jeter, and those kind of guys. So those are just a couple of highlights about Dustin Pedroia that, uh, that I can take away, but I'll have more here in just a second. But Caleb, what, what do you, or sorry, uh, what do you got? <laughs> uh, with Dustin Pedroia, I mean, obviously it was injuries that reason why, he, you know, retired earlier than what, what I thought he would. Uh, also, I didn't know that he was almost a 300 career, uh, hitter nine i didn't i didn't actually think he was that bet uh good at batting average yeah it's uh i'm looking here as well uh looks like outside of of the years that he didn't play fully uh in which he played at least 90 games it looks like his lowing bat is, or his lowest batting average was 278 back in 2014 so yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're going to have 278 and up, I mean, that's that's pretty stellar. And, and I agree with you. Uh, I don't remember him being that prolific of, of a hitter as far as his average is concerned. Yeah. I knew early on he was, you know, basically the go-to second baseman for the first three to four years. Uh, but who do you think really – do you think DJ LeMahieu kind of – resembles Pedroia yeah. now? I think that that's a that's a great comparison, actually. Um, I mean, first of all, they're both second basemen. Yeah. Um, second of all, they can get on base like no other. I mean, DJ LeMahieu, he seems to be getting better with age. Yeah. He's just really thrived in New York, especially after winning a, a batting title with Colorado. Um, but I'm looking at, at 
that's a great comp. I don't want to take anything away from that. I'm just looking at his his MVP year numbers back in 2008, like you mentioned. He led the majors in hits with 213 and doubles with 54. So this guy was a doubles machine, and that's something I always remembered about him. He hit 326 that year, a slugging percentage of 493. And I don't, I can't remember like what his stature is, but he's like one of those like smaller kind of guys, like a, like a Jose Altuve, but, um, but very, very gritty. He reminds me kind of like you're talking about small guys, uh, David Eckstein, uh, you know, he was an on-base machine, whether it be getting a hit or getting hit by the ball. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but okay. Uh, that's, I want to ask you, and this is just yes or no. Will Pedroia go to the Hall of Fame? Goose. Um, if you go by, I I say no. Like you look at War, and his War's like mid fifties, and like if he wasn't injured, and he had say three to five more years of that, then I could probably say iffy. But right with what his career was, I'd say no. Ultimate. I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. Um, great numbers. I'm glad that Goose pointed out his, his lifetime batting average of, of just a tick under 300. I mean, that's that's incredible. Um, I mean, you, you still have to look at, at the, the counting stats like home runs. He ended with 140, so not really a prolific power hitter. You know, we call him the laser show because he could always, he just got these laser, you know, singles and doubles and, and things like that. Um, as far as stolen bases go, he had 138 on, on his career. Um, he had almost, his his uh, strikeout to walk ratio was almost one to one. He only had uh, 30 more uh, strikeouts than he had walks in his career. So anytime you can have a ratio that good, that that's, you know, you can see the ball well, you have pretty good plate discipline. Um, but to answer your question, long-winded, I, no, he's not going to the Hall of Fame. All right. Well, I agree. I think, I think, uh, Goose was on the right track. Uh, give him three, four more years and, uh, he's, he's in, I think he's in. So let's, let's switch over to the other big news this week. Um, in a for short, Nolan Arenado traded to the Cardinals for basically free. I feel like, uh, <laughs> I feel like the Cardinals ripped the Rockies off or the Rockies ripped themselves off one of the two. Um, I do wish uh, Gomber well, you know. Uh, hopefully he can thrive in Colorado. But um, I'll, I'll just start by asking you guys this. With Arenado, are the Cardinals World Series contenders? Or do they need another piece? News, I'll let you start us off there, sir. Um. Well, obviously, I would say yes, because Arenado not only makes, you know, the defense and the pitching better with his defense at third base, but also his protection in the lineup for Goldie and Dylan Carlson's going to, you're going to have him uh, a full season. And then there is talks out about getting another pitcher, which, also wanted to comment on that about the Cardinals maybe possibly looking to add a starter, which I really do not think they need to because, yeah, they don't have that that three-headed monster in the rotation like, you know, uh, 
what LA could, the Mets could with uh, uh, oh Bauer about to sign with with them, but they do have Flaherty, Wino, which I know he's almost forty, but as you saw the last two years, he can still dish it out. But their uh, bullpen is totally like the back end of their bullpen. You're going to have Hicks back. Uh, I mean, whoever doesn't start for him is going to be in the pen. And Cardinals' average pitcher, like, uh, let's say, Gomer. I mean, I'd like to see where he's, he ranks in their the Rockies' starting rotation because, I mean, he was a spot starter for the Cardinals, and I think he could be a th- number three for the Rockies. But, yeah, I do think the Cardinals are World Series, you know, they're going to they're gonna press the Dodgers. Uh, Padres, I mean, yeah, they got the names. And on paper, they're, they're shooing for, you know, NL West favorite and World Series. But you also, there's going to be a bunch of new guys there that needs to mesh, too. So, and... That goes for the Mets as well, which I'd say the Braves would be in there as well. But, uh, yeah, I say this puts them over the top. So, Rumpus, you asked two questions here. Um, I I think that we need to talk about the Arenado trade a little bit more. Um, I'll I'll go with with your your second question first uh, of the Cardinals being a World Series team. Man, I'll tell you what, their lineup, I was looking at their, their lineup, the depth chart uh, before this, and um, do I think they're a World Series caliber team? They're close. They're close. Um, they're not best in class right now. I don't feel like – I still feel like that maybe the Dodgers, the Braves are a, a wonderful, super fantastic team. Um, but I think they're close. And I think if they can get a productive outfielder – they could be better off. And, and like Goose was talking about a second ago, he mentioned Dylan Carlson, who had a very small sample size. And we kind of got to see him really turn it on about, you know, halfway through his uh, his, his time up in, in St. Louis in 2020. So if you can give him a full year, I think you're really going to see him, him really blossom there. But, you know, of course you're going to have offensive liabilities like um, – Harrison Bader, for example, he's strictly out there in center field for his glove. And, you know, you're going to have players like that for a long time. Colton Wong was like that. But are they a World Series caliber team? They're really, really close. Um, Like Caleb mentioned, they're looking at starters. I don't really think that that's a necessity. But if you can get somebody on the cheap, like a Jake Odorizzi, um, a James Paxton, a Taiwan Walker, um, that can eat up innings or assuming they can stay healthy because James Paxton, I know from experience, he's been on my fantasy team the last couple of years and I can't rely on the guy. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. They're close. I, it, it should be interesting to see. Um, and I'd like to talk about free agency in general here in, in just, just a minute. Um, just uh, something I, I picked up on. But as far as Nolan Arenado goes, uh, uh, like you like you prefaced with this topic, the Cardinals pulled off one of the biggest heists of all time, I feel like, because Nolan Arenado, if you look at his numbers, are eye-popping. 
And a lot of times people say, well, you know, that's the that's the Coors Field effect because if the air is thinner, the balls fly out, all that stuff. Well, here's the thing. Every year that he has been in the major leagues, he's been a gold glover. So he's been in the majors for eight years now. He has eight gold gloves. Outside of 2020, he had five straight all-star nominations. He was an all-star five straight years. He finished in MVP voting outside of 2020. Again, this is from 2015 through 2019. He was in the top eight of MVP voting every single year. Now, he is a generational type of defensive and offensive player. I think, all right, I'm, I'm going to say this, and, and this is, I, I might get a little bit of backlash for this, but I feel like the Arenado is so great with offense and defense. He's the best that the Cardinals have had since Albert Pujols, whenever Pujols was really rocking and rolling in the mid to late two, well, actually during the whole entire 2000s decade. I think he's, he's the best offensive and defensive all around player. Um, he is a game changer. And as far as the trade goes, I still don't understand it. I, I've read the story every day since Friday. I don't get it. The Rockies are paying the Cardinals like $53 million, I think is what it is. The Cardinals don't have to pay Arenado's salary for this year. They're paying $35 million for, for, for him this year. Um, Arenado's already said he doesn't plan on opting out. The Cardinals did not give up any top five prospects in the deal. Um Last week, we were all talking about what it would take to get Arenado, and I said, it's a king's ransom. They can do whatever they want for him. And uh, it, it, it didn't happen. They could have got, they could have got um, Dylan Carlson. They could have got – I mean, who else could they, could they have got, Caleb, as far as, like, right. their top, top guys? Uh, um, who's that third baseman? Nolan Gorman? Yeah. Uh, there's also uh, that pitcher we got from Tampa Bay. Oh, yeah. That lefty. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, which there's that third baseman they did get. That was like the cheap man's Nolan Gorman. Right. Uh, he's going to basically profile as uh, Cincinnati's third baseman. Uh, I'm not good with his name right off the bat, but uh, that's that's basically oh, what you're looking at. You mean Eduardo Suarez? Yeah. His, his raw power. I mean, he's decent with the glove, but his raw power was basically what you're looking at. Like, he's not going to hit for no – I don't think, uh, which it is in Colorado, but I don't think he'd hit for a high average. It'd be, you know, a bunch of taters. He'd be yeah. hitting. Right. But, well, uh, let, me, let me ask you guys, though, or I guess you, Halterman, um, what do you think – and you and I kind of talked about this. We all did. What, what are the Cardinals going to have to do? What piece do they need to be um, serious World Series contenders? I, I think they're um, at least back in the running of actually winning playoff games and doing good. But um, I just I think they're still limited. Like you said, you've got uh, Bader and Fowler, which are liabilities. Uh, so what what is a piece – because we were looking at free agents, and I don't. I think they're going to have to trade, in my opinion, to get somebody to improve their team. Just looking at the free agent list that's out there. Well, it, it, I think it depends on what what you want, and I feel like that the starting rotation is is it is it elite? No, not at all. Is it good? Yeah, it's pretty good. 
Um, same thing with the bullpen. The defense is good. So I think that if you're going to get something, another piece, it would have to be an outfielder, a productive outfielder. Now, I think it can also be somebody that could be a platoon or a spot starter or something like that. I know you mentioned the other day, Rumpus, you mentioned Adam Duvall. He would be a great bat off the bench. Look what he did for Atlanta last year. That dude was on a tear. Um, so I think that that would be a good bat off the bench. A Jay Bruce, you mentioned him as well. But if you're looking for everyday type players, the Cardinals could look into bringing back Marcelo Zuna. I think that he'll probably be one of the last guys to sign as far as your top five or ten free agents are concerned. Um, because, as we all know, Marcelo Zuna is a defensive liability. I mean, he can't even play left field for the damn. Um, one guy I mentioned the other day is, is Jackie Bradley Jr., I think that that guy could be – he could be perfect and he could, you know, maybe even take over center field because he's got a good glove too and, and that would just basically replace Harrison Bader. Um, another guy I was looking at said maybe take a flyer on is the always controversial Yasiel Puig and, uh, and also Nomar uh, Mazzara. Um, he did not have a great year for the White Sox after he had a pretty good year, year and a half for the Rangers. Um, any one of those guys I think could be great, if not every day, a platoon or a spot start. But that's where I think the Cardinals' biggest need is, is in the outfield. Yeah, I, I really agree with that. Um, I would actually love to see Puig out there and his attitude. And he, he does have a drive to win. I mean, uh, does he seem cocky? Yeah, but, you know, he wants to win. And those are the guys we need out there. And I'm not saying all of them. I should, I should backpedal a little bit because – uh, you know, every guy on the team, their their ultimate goal is to win a ring. But sometimes you don't see that. Um, you don't feel like they're putting in the effort. And, and as a fan, maybe we don't see those things that they do, you know, behind closed doors to get better. Um, you know, we're just, we're just the fan. We don't know everything that goes into things that they do to better prepare themselves. But anyways, that's, that's fan perspective though. And, we definitely want guys that are out there uh, can look at the Cardinals now and say, you got Goldie, uh, Arenado, um, <laughs> and, and Carlson, and, you know, DeYoung. And, uh, you know, it sounds like Molina's coming back. And I think we're, we're more enticing now than we were before for guys to come play for us. So I just want to uh, hear Goose's thoughts on on the, the missing piece or what what would be a, a vital piece for the Cardinals to acquire. Um, which catcher we don't know if Molina's coming back or not. I heard that Toronto was actually in on him as well. Uh, like if Molina comes back, I mean, basically your infield is set. Like with uh, Edmund being second base. But then with Arenado at third, that frees up Matt Carpenter. And I'm trying to look here, but I'm pretty sure his, uh, what was it, 2012? I think he played second and outfield, did he not? Who, Carpenter? Yes, Matt Carpenter. Yeah, I, I think I think he started out in the outfield, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Because, I mean, really, if you just look at the Cardinals, I mean, with their auto trade, that it's just another thing how 
how it's going to benefit them. They could put Matt Carp- Carpenter in the outfield and see if he could get get his swing back from uh, what was that twenty eighteen when he hit all those bombs. Yeah, I just I don't think his arm is right though. I don't I don't I think he would still be a liability as far as uh, you know snap plays. You know, if it's just to catch it, throw it in. But if it's a snap play where it's like a play at the plate or play at second, I think I think we're still a liability out there for that. True. Uh, but, you, I mean, how much, you know, Jock Peterson was supposedly going to be signing with the – swooped in and got him is what I, I supposedly heard. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, what is he thinking right now? Hey, I could have went and played for the Cardinals that had actual pitching and uh, Nolan Arenado, you know. But, uh, I mean, really, I if Molina comes back, I would be fine with that. I mean, you, you look at the 2020 season, and I think you take it with a grain of salt. Everybody on the Cardinals last season did not hit. And – it was a small sample size too. I mean, I think playing a hundred and what is it still going to be 162 or I, I think they're leaning more towards one, I think like 156, I think just a little bit less, yeah. but I mean, people are going to get on a roll, you know, everything's going to be normal. Well, now, I feel. yeah. And, and this is how I look at it too. Um, our hitting coach is terrible. But I see um, Nolan coming in, and maybe he can show some of these younger guys some some tips or see some things that the uh, terrible hitting coach we have clearly doesn't see because I feel like we've had that guy for two years, and he's helped our team one we, uh, just last year. Uh, with him, uh, actually, the Randy Rose Arena trade, like they're going more analytics than I feel and uh, prospect wise over that whole trade. Sorry to kind of sway off track, but no, I could totally see uh, they're going to stand pat with him. I think, I mean, obviously you sh- should have probably got rid of them in 2019. I would think. Yeah. I just, I just hope that, you know, uh, you know, I know Goldie can be a mentor, but I hope uh, Arnado comes in and can mentor some of those guys and be like, hey, choke up on the bat more or whatever it is to help them out and yeah. and, and hopefully they take off. Um, but any any last thoughts on that before we change uh, topics here? Uh, no, I don't I don't think so. I just think it's it's a blockbuster move for the Cardinals to get Arenado. I mean, it was a ballsy move, but it made a lot of sense because – I mean, they didn't have to give up anything, and the Rockies are going to pay a quarter of his salary, including all his salary this year. So, I mean, that's an absolute no-brainer. So, good for the Cardinals. All right. Caleb, Goose? Uh, yeah, with uh, the trade, I mean, I think if the opt-out clauses weren't there, this trade would have been totally different. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously the Cardinals would have to give up more. I think yeah. they're – basically negotiating on basically a one-year window Yeah, to be, to be honest, they knew that he was going to opt out at the end of the season this year and they wouldn't 
only got maybe what one pick out of the whole thing. Oh yeah, they wouldn't have got yeah. shit out of it. So yeah, yeah, um, um, yeah. I mean, but, at least the Rockies recognize that much. Yeah, yeah. And the last thing I'll say is, I, I think you know the other enticing thing is, I think the Cardinals have told him like we have good pieces and we want to add even more to win a World Series. So I think I think they had an easy time enticing him to waive his no trade. Yeah, Goose, is that are you good? Um, well, with the uh, Randy Rosarina trade that was last year, correct? With Tampa Bay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought they were gonna uh, take the lefty they got from Tampa and swing in this deal last year. You know that they said it was ninety percent uh, a go until baseball activities got shut down. So, uh, which on that. Maybe later we can talk about the Cardinals trading Randy Rosarina and what he did in the playoffs last year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we we get time for that. We're gonna uh-huh. we're gonna switch it over though to this date in history. Um, let's see, all the way back to 1960, the BBWAA voters failed to elect a new Hall of Fame member. Um, and that's just insane. And that kind of follows right along with our next topic, which is Hall of Fame voting. Um, we we kind of discussed this. Um, who should vote for Hall of Fame? Uh, we know it's it's the writers for baseball. Um, I'm not I'm not for certain, but you know you see these writers and they show their ballots, and some guys won't and. It's whatever. I don't. I don't care. Whatever. Um, but, but this year too, nobody was voted in, uh, and it's just insane. If you look at the guys that are on the ballot, um, and so who do you guys think? I I say um, it should be current MLB players. And Tyler, uh, you brought up a great point that it should be uh, current Hall of Famers. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I don't know if the voting process is broken or not, but there can definitely be some alterations made. I mean, we already have like the Caleb, you can correct me on, on the name, but it's called like the like the Golden Era Committee or, or something like that, that that can vote guys in like that didn't get in like Ted Simmons, for example, and things like yeah. that. Um, baseball writers, you know, here's the thing. Why are baseball writers the ones that are deciding who should and should not get into the baseball hall of fame? Shouldn't that be guys that have actually played the game or coached the game or something like that? So that's why I think guys who are, you know, in that fraternity of baseball players and in that elite fraternity of baseball hall of famers, of course, those that are still living, we just had like 13 die in the last year. But, you know, those guys should – I think that they should have some kind of an influence on who does and doesn't get in because they have different perspectives than what baseball writers do. And you also got to think that some of these baseball writers, a lot of them are regional-based. Like maybe they're out of Baltimore or maybe they're out of San Francisco or whatever. There could be – I'm not saying there is, but there could be some biases. And if you look to last year, there was two guys voted in. There was Larry Walker – who I was actually kind of surprised that got in, but he should have. And and the other guy was Derek Jeter, who was not a unanimous Hall of Famer. 
that is absolutely asinine because there was one person that did not vote for Derek Jeter to be a Hall of Famer. And why? Every baseball player, I guarantee you, current, living, dead, Hall of Famer, whatever, they would have said Derek Jeter is a Hall of Famer through and through. So there are some pieces of the Hall of Fame that I feel like, uh, or the, the voting process, that I think that could be improved. Goose, what do you what do you think about that? Should it should it be changed? Should it be left alone? Like, I mean, nobody was voted in, and that uh, was it. Kurt Schilling missed it by just a handful of votes or something, like two hundred votes, was it? Uh, I think it was like fifteen votes. Yeah, okay, I knew I knew it was a small number. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was like it's like sixteen votes. I think is what it okay, was. Okay, yeah. I was way off. <laughs> but you know, and he's saying, just take me off. It's ridiculous. Just yeah. take me off the ballot. So like, guys that that should be in the Hall of Fame are are getting frustrated being on the ballot year after year and and not getting in. Like uh, when Bonds Clemens was playing, these riders were making a living off them. You know, yeah. when they were playing with the Yankees and Giants, you know, they were they were making, you know, the stories off of all their accomplishments. But then because, you know, the steroid era came along, you know, everybody was all good until, oh, man, it's cheating. I mean, yes, in a way it is cheating, you know, performance enhancing and, you know, you had a substance that not. Everyone did, uh, but I I would look to see the writers, you know, it taken out of the hands of them because, you know, the biases and uh, the regional, like, oh, well, he was a Yankee, I'm not going to vote for him, or he was a giant, I'm a Dodgers writer, you know, like yeah. that, I could see that. But, uh, I mean, with, uh, like, last year, Derek Jeter getting in, uh, I don't know who was the one that didn't vote for him, but I also read that if you took Derek Jeter off those amazing teams that all the his teammates he had around him, like basically every year it was an all-star team there for a while. And if you would take him and put him on a different team, would he have still been as great? You know, that's... <laughs> You know, but that's yeah. one, one perspective. And then, you know, you you could say, I'm just like, well, you're just, you know, I mean, that's just one perspective in, its, in itself. But I would love to see the Hall of Fame voting go from the writers to the, the Golden Era Committee. You know, obviously, that's what Kurt Schilling wants to happen because they actually know baseball, he said. So yeah. that's... Yeah. That's my take on it all. I just, I just think it should be in the players' hands. And Caleb, you talked about the steroid era. Um, you know, I this is just my opinion, of course. I think MLB loved it. Think of oh, the yeah. ratings they were getting. Think of the fans in the stands waiting for McGuire and Sosa to just hit a bomb. And you know, they're hitting seventy bombs in a season, so their ratings were out of this world. You know, and then and then they had to come crack down on it. But you know that it, behind the scenes, in my opinion, they were like. Oh damn! You know we we were getting ratings out the wazoo, and now look what's happened in the last what two years. All of a sudden, guys are just hitting bombs again. There's been a record number of home runs 
hit. And the, um, I guess the rumor you'd say is, you know, MLB owns uh, Rawlings, right? And so there's there's that, um, I, it's just a rumor of like, maybe they're tampering with the balls they're making. So the ball f- flies further. So, you know, you don't, you can't juice anymore. Well, we'll just change the ball because we were getting fans in the stands and people were watching games for home runs. Um, and I, I think that's just the hypocritical thing. If that is true. Um, and, uh, my other soapboxes, baseball is going to be, uh, gambling now, like Fox sports, Midwest, our local regional coverage, like is going to be, uh, Tyler, you'll have to correct me on this, but, uh, you're going to be able to like gamble while the games are going on. I think is how I understand it. Yeah, I, I guess I, I haven't really read into it much, but I think that Fox Sports Midwest, like they're going to partner. I mean, Fox in general has uh, like a Fox Bet uh, app, and, and I'm sure that that will trickle down to regionals like Midwest and Kansas City and wherever where else. Um, where yeah, where you can do live voting in there and cur- or not voting, but uh, uh, betting and they're encouraging it. Which it's funny you mentioned that because I was telling my wife last night, I was like, it's just funny. How and we're getting off topic, by the way, but it, it's it's just funny how how sports betting is so embraced all of a sudden, whereas like a year and a half, two years ago, it was still so taboo. And you don't have Pete Rose in the freaking Hall of Fame. That's yeah. that's where I was betting. trying to get right there. Let's, okay, we're bringing it back. Good job. Good job. Yeah, let's let's get over it. Pete Rose bet on himself, and he won. How can you hold that against that guy, honestly? And now you're, you're all about um, gambling and you want that revenue. Put Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame and quit fucking around. Just quit fucking around with this. Put him in the Hall of Fame. I don't care. Now, now I would understand if he was throwing the game and getting himself out or something. But he was betting on himself to do good. Let's just stop this nonsense and put him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Pete Rose, I mean, all-time hit leader and it's not even close. I mean, Caleb, he's the only person with over 4,000 hits, right? Ty Cobb is too. Ty Cobb also has over 4,000. Yeah. That shame on me. But anyway, so very few people, right? Like him and him and Ty Cobb. And I mean, unless you count Ichiro and his, his Japan numbers, but, um, what? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So just, about the Hall of Fame, I mean, there's some numbers on here, and I'm looking at, at Barry Bonds, and like his his offensive numbers are absolutely eye popping. So, for example, um, he had almost 10,000 at bats. He had over 2,200 runs scored, almost 3,000 hits, which that should be a lock to get you into the Hall of Fame, no matter who you are. Um, of course, he's the all-time home run leader with 762. He has four RBIs shy of 2,000. He had 514 stolen bases, a career uh, 298 batting average. Um, he played in almost 3,000 games. He played almost 3,000 games and had a 300 batting average, basically. A slugging percentage of over 600. His war was 72.7. Like Those are, those are numbers that are so rare. Anymore, yes, he was juicing. We all know it. Oh, yeah, and he has but a so home run far, record, right? Seventy three. What does he not have the home run record for seventy three in a season? Well, well, yeah, for for yeah, in a season, he he did yeah. that in uh, two thousand one. Um, but guys like Bonds, uh, Clements, 
Schilling, those guys should all be in the Hall of Fame. I think Todd Helton, I think he eventually will be. Um, I mean, he had a very – and he's one of those guys that was for one team his entire career with Colorado. I mean, he played the game the right way. I mean, he was a, a professional hitter. Um, he needs to be in the Hall of Fame. I think Jeff Kent should be in the Hall of Fame, probably Manny Ramirez. Um, there's a bunch of guys that probably should be that are not. Um, the guys that fell off the ballot, um, it was their first year of eligibility. They probably shouldn't have been on the ballot in the first place. Um, there was, I think, five or six guys. And I think it's funny to me that, that LaTroy Hawkins, as a relief pitcher, got more votes than Barry Zito, A.J. Burnett, Shane Victorino, Dan Heron, Michael Kadir, and Nick Swisher combined. Yeah. yeah. It's got to be fixed. And I think, With, uh, I think we fixed it. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, it's got to be fixed. Uh, I, think, I think our idea, I'm sure many others have, pretty much the same idea as us, but it's got to be fixed. It's ridiculous. Like that was the, what the first time in, I don't know how many years again, uh, somebody hasn't been uh, voted in. It's got, it's got to change. It's got to change. Something's got to happen. What were you going to say about bonds? Caleb? What did you say his war was? Uh, I think it was 72.7. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, 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 I was looking yeah. at the wrong war. Long war. Sorry. 162.8, yeah. which is sorry. Yeah. Thanks for catching that. So, which is, 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 is that, is that the highest war ever? Yeah. Uh, Babe Ruth was 162.1. Okay. So he, he, he closed. Um, All right. Um, yeah. I want to, I want to kind of roll over into our next topic. I just want to touch on it. Real quick, um, I've been trying to keep up with it. I, I don't know what's agreed upon right now, what's not, but the MLB and the MLB Players Association are still at odds from what I'm seeing. Uh, am I wrong about that? Uh, no, I, I think that that's still accurate. Um, I know that uh, as far as the big four professional leagues in North America – that the uh, baseball and the baseball players association cannot seem to get along on anything. Um, so everybody else, NHL, NFL, and NBA, kudos to them because they can seem to figure it out. And they seem to actually want to play. Um, but last I, I heard, there was not going to be a universal DH, which is, I mean, the American League has had one for like almost 50 years now. So that's a shame. Um, and you'd have a lot more players signed right now if the if the National League had a de- uh, designated hitter position. There's not going to be expanded playoffs, at least not right now anyway. Um, but MLB wants to institute extend, ex- expanded playoffs. They want to also put in, excuse me, the the uh, the ghost runner at second base for extra innings. And uh, what's the other one, Caleb, that baseball's wanting to do? Well, I didn't know if that was already a go. For the ghost runner, is it and, and uh, the the seven inning double headers? I, I think I think you're right. I think both of those might be uh, green light, green lit. Like I didn't know. I heard they uh, didn't go with the one fifty six or uh, fifty four uh, season schedule. I think they want still one sixty two, don't they? Or has that changed? I think the players want 
162, and they also want the season to be delayed by a month. But um, I, I don't, I don't think the league is really too keen on that. Yeah. Well, and I'm not. You know, I wasn't a fan of this expanded playoffs last year. To be honest, um, I think MLB liked it because it brought in more revenue. But I just wasn't a fan personally. I didn't, I didn't care for it at all. They were what three game series? Uh, I mean, whatever. It's like a weekend well, series. So I, I wasn't a fan. I don't know what you guys thought, but I, I didn't really care for it. And I think MLB is just is kind of getting greedy. It's like, hey, you know, you're not out on the field risking your health and safety and all this travel, risking your health and safety. You sit you sit in your office, you know. And uh, I, I understand what these guys are are saying. You know, it's uh, it's not about money. It's not. I mean, some of them are probably about the money, but. You know, I think a lot of them are looking at the safety of, of themselves and their family. Um, what was it last year? It uh, wasn't a player got it and they got really sick. Uh, it was Freddie Freeman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you, you know, I, I will I will say this. I mean, I, I mean, everybody wants to be safe and everything. And, and that's totally cool. But, you know, you do have a lot of players that are like, hey, let's let's put these these protocols in place. We will abide by them because we want to play ball. And if you all remember last year, there was that, that Sandlot League that they had, and I think in, it was Arizona or, or Florida, that was um, a, a, a secret thing that like guys like Paul Goldschmidt, I think Nolan Arenado, um, and there was a big group of guys that had like this, this clandestine uh, league because they wanted to play and they wanted to stay sharp and they wanted to um, finish out their spring training and get ready for the season. So there's two sides to it, right? I mean, I'm sure there's guys that do want to play, don't want to play, but those guys that seem to not want to play, they still want to get paid, though. And that's just not the way it's going to work because when we look at people like us, right? If we don't go to work, we're not going to get paid. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you get there. There's some definitely some some give and take there. Yeah, Goose. What's what's your take on that? On what was the question? Sorry. Oh, sorry. Just the um, them not coming together. Where, like, like Halterman said, all the other sports teams have figured it out. Uh, yeah. I mean, the commish that we have now is definitely. I feel he's probably the worst commish we've ever seen in baseball, uh, with all the rules and everything. But I mean, uh, I think. I mean. I'm with the players. I would like to have the universal DH now. That should be a go because obviously that prolongs, you know, you going right now it's you going to the AL. If it was universal, you could have so many more guys have a longer career yeah. in that aspect. And I, I also was for the expanded playoffs last year. I had, I thought it was neat to see teams that, you know, there's usually one team in either league that has, granted there was only 60 games played, but, you know, what, the Central had four teams in it? So, I mean, that was awesome. And then, I mean, you had the Marlins make it. And I think that was a great story last year was the Miami Marlins. And they they beat the Cubs in the first round, which was, you know, really cool if you're, you know, a non-Cubs fan. So, um I mean, yeah, I think it was cool to see that. And something that I, I've been wanting to see uh, for the playoffs is was is, is a best-of-three series. 
instead of the 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 uh, you know do or die one game playoff for the wild card. Now those are some of the most exciting games that you'll ever watch. But I, I think it's you know if you want to talk about fair, it's probably more fair to have a, a best of three. So yeah. I, I I like that too. Yeah, yeah you know they get they can always change those wild card games to best of three series instead of, uh, you know, winner take all. Like, like you said, they're exciting, but still, I think for uh, fairness, you know, you, you have basically just a weekend series, you know, three games. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just, just to stretch it out. I mean, if you're, if you're wanting to, you know, you expand the playoffs and, and make revenue money, then, well, I guess that doesn't make sense what I'm saying. So, um, but you could always you could always expand that way without having the expanded playoffs. Is those those wild card games? Uh, ex- yeah. You know, extend them to three instead of one. Is, yeah. what, is what I'm trying to say there. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't have to have 14 teams. I mean, you can still have 10 and and do that. So instead of you know having eight different three game series going on, you can just have two different three game series going on. Right. I just, you know, here's my thing. I don't want it to start being like football, right? Where a team that's like six and 10 makes the playoffs and you get those teams, which of course they did last year because of the shortened season. But, you know, I don't want a team that's like uh, 60 and 100 or whatever their awful record is come in and make the playoffs and, and start beating these teams that are good. I mean, I guess that's exciting, but I would, I would be pissed if I was the other team and a fan of the other team, like, well, this is stupid. This team didn't even wasn't even at five hundred. Yeah, I mean, of course, the divisions in football. I mean, of course, from a completely different game. I understand what you're saying, but for that to happen in baseball, like that, would be, I think, a really rare situation for five teams over 162 games to all finish under five hundred. Um, especially like whenever they play each other so much. Not to say that it couldn't and wouldn't happen, but I I, I think that that would be a pretty, you know, a, a rarity. Well, I appreciate that take. Um, mm-hmm. Let's get into um, the last thing I want to discuss, and we can run down real quick. It's the um, MLB Network Top 10 Catchers. Um, oh, my gosh. Somebody's texting me. Uh, so I'm just going to read them off, okay? Uh, number one. Real Muto, number two, Grandal, number three, Will Smith, four, uh, Wilson Contreras, five, Sean Murphy, which I, he wasn't even on the list last year. Uh, six is Austin Noah, wasn't ranked last year. Uh, Salvador Perez, he, he wasn't on the list last year. Travis Darnot wasn't on the list last year. Mitch Garver, and then um, James McCann, and once again, he was not on the list last year. Uh, as well as well as Will Smith, so there's lots of guys on this list that weren't even ranked last year, uh, and so I don't know. It's weird. I, I, like I'll be honest. Like I don't even know. I never even heard of Sean Murphy. I hadn't. The rest of these guys, yes, Sean Murphy. I I wouldn't be able to tell him from a hole in the wall. You know. Yeah. So Caleb, are you gonna you gonna start us off here? One of your thoughts on the catchers? Do, do you, um, how do you like the rankings? Do you think somebody else should take a spot? What What are your quick thoughts? Because we're we're running over uh, our time here. Grandall, I don't see him as number two catcher. Uh, I did like Will Smith at three. Uh, Contreras, I mean, 
really the catcher position way, you know, there's not very much star power there, I feel, anymore because, you know, Molina, he's 40, which I don't see him in the top 10. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, James McCann, I think he should be a little bit higher, to be honest with you. But, yeah, uh, it's it's kind of hard to, to really kind of dissect it without seeing the list. I, I don't have that list right in front of me. Um, uh, Tyler, the link is in that keep if you if you click on it. Oh, sorry. I guess I could have done that. Working on it. Sorry, Caleb. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go. Oh, I'm just showing you the list. But yeah, I mean, the catcher position is probably the least uh, star powered right as of right now because you also have. Uh, the catcher coming up in Baltimore was the number one pick, I think, what, 2019? He's going to be like a – I'd say he'd be a gold glover with a uh, – I read today that he would be a – oh, Mark Teixeira bat. I mean, he's – I can't remember his name, but it was the number one pick by the Baltimore – 19 i mean he's if he comes up this year i could see him you know top five and say about three years give or take yeah so um yeah as far as this list goes i mean jt romuto i think is undoubtedly the number one catcher in baseball yasmani grandal i mean I, I have a hard time putting him even even in the top five, if I'm being honest. Like, I mean, he's probably right there, like right in the middle of the top ten for me. Um, I like Wilson Contreras a lot. I, he, he's kind of hot and cold. I, I'd, I'd probably put him at number – I mean, number four I think is a pretty good number. Will Smith, I think he's going to be a stud. Uh, for me right now, Will Smith, th- number three is a good spot for him. Uh, Salvador Perez is way underrated on, on this list. I think Salvador Perez should be up at like number two. Um, be, I mean, I know he's been injury prone the last couple of years, but overall, I think, you know, defensively and offensively, he, he may be, I mean, he's, he's right there behind JT Romito, in my opinion. Uh, Travis Darno, let's see if, if he can keep it up because he has been, not good with like the Mariners and the Mets before he landed and and with the Braves. Um, The jury for me is still out on him. I mean, if you, if you take a small shortened season, small sample size of 2020, yeah, maybe Travis Darno is, is a top 10, but I think in a normal season, he is not a top 10 catcher. James McCann. I think I would agree with goose there. He probably needs to be up a little bit more. He's probably a number eight. I'd flip him and Travis Darno. Um, Austin Nola, he's a stud. Uh, I think it's a good spot for him at, at number six. Um, you know, and some other guys that, that maybe got looked over here. Um, there's no way I'm putting Gary Sanchez in the top 10. I don't care. I don't really, <laughs> I don't really believe in him. Molina, defensively, yeah, he's going to be top, top two or three. Um, but a couple of guys that stood out to me last year was Christian Vasquez with the Red Sox. I think he's probably a top 10. I would probably put him in the top 10 before I would um, probably Darno, but that's just me. 
Um, another good catcher that that's up and coming is uh, Alejandro Kirk with the um, oh my gosh with the Blue Jays. So um, he's kind of blocked over there, but I, I like I like what he's what he can can bring as well. He's not top ten by any means. He 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 might not even be top fifteen. But he's he's one that I think that we should look out for. Right. Well, and I agree with Caleb. You know, catchers positions. It's really not that exciting. The the most exciting thing they do is throw out runners. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> basically, all right, yeah. all right. We're gonna wrap this up on our first episode here. But before we wrap completely here, Super Bowl picks. Oh yeah. Who oh, you yeah. guys got? Uh, Halter Mania. I know who you have, but tell us who you got. Yeah, well, you guys know me. I'm a lifelong Chiefs fan, um, so I'm really relishing in all this uh, this greatness right now that, that that they have going on. Currently, the Chiefs are a three point favorite um, over the Buccaneers. I mean, I have been overwhelmed with all the different uh, you know facts and data surrounding favorites and back to back winners and all that stuff. Uh, gun to head, I. I thought that the Bills were going to beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. The Chiefs easily covered the spread and, and beat the Bills with relative ease, who I think is the second-best team in the NFL behind the Chiefs. Um, I really have to think that Mahomes is going to, is going to uh, get after the, uh, the Bucs, um, and he's going to beat Tom Brady this time. Last time these guys met in the playoffs was two years ago in the AFC Championship game. Mahomes let that game slip through his fingers. Uh, gave Brady way too much time to score. Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, uh, but I think that the Chiefs will repeat on Sunday. Goose, go. Uh, I think Kansas City will win. Uh, I think it'll be an awesome game. Uh, it just depends on what is the Tampa Bay's defensive line, if they can get to Mahomes or not. Uh, I think that would be the judgment call on, you know, who wins is the point I think will judge the game is if they can get after Mahomes. I think Mahomes can outdo Brady now. Uh, I mean, was it Brady beating Green Bay or did Green Bay beat themselves, you know? Yeah. It. Uh, granted, I, I did have the Bills beating uh, – Mahomes and the Chiefs, but you know, that first quarter, like I was like, come on, you know, get your head out of your ass. But uh they finally did and they ran away with it. You know, uh Jake Allen did not was not Jake Allen and then they couldn't get the ball to uh what Diggs, I think what he had like four catches or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So game for sure. Yeah. Hey, but something something to note real quick there is that this is the first time in Super Bowl history that um, that the host site is the home of one of the teams. So that's yeah. never been done before, yeah. um, and and that's I, I think that could be advantageous to to Brady and the Bucks. He's got a great offensive uh, weapons with Mike Evans, and he's got uh, Leonard Fournette who really turned it on the last few weeks. Um, this should be very entertaining, probably very high scoring. Um, Mahomes is going to do what he always does, and that's lean on uh, Tyreek and Travis Kelsey. Those are his two horses. Uh, the Chiefs' defense is underrated. Um, I mean, they, they 
proved that against the Bills, I feel like, in the AFC Championship game. But gun to head, I'll take the Chiefs. I, I, I hate to say that because I feel like I'm going to jinx them, but that's what I'm going with. Yeah. Oh, I've what's got... the score? Oh, the final score? Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, I mean, it's going to be something close. I'm, I'm going to say 35-31. Really? Okay. Yeah, I've got I've got the Chiefs Patrick Mahomes redemption against old T Brady. Um, I think it's going to come down to which quarterback makes the most mistakes against the defense. Uh, you know, if if they can get a pick six or uh, just even a clutch uh, interception near the end of the game, uh, I think I think defense is going to win it over offense personally. Yeah, definitely. Kayla or Goose, what's what's your what's your final score? I think it's two Chiefs and uh, probably thirty-five bucks. I think it's going to be a shootout. Hey, say shootout. that again. You got you got cut out or whatever. What, what uh, about the Chiefs? Forty-two to thirty-five Chiefs. Forty-two to thirty. Yeah. So we're we're well, not really quite aligned. We're pretty close. We we both think it's going to go over the number, which is fifty-six. That's yeah. the under. I think it's going to go over that. I think the Chiefs will cover. Um, and win so yep yeah all right well this is our first episode um it's been great guys uh it's been awesome so uh i hope we get lots of listeners um so anyways don't get caught in the hot box